the, this uh, upper room discourse. Uh, we, I started last time I was here uh, talking about it and really focusing on the fact that, as Jesus says, um, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. And he says, in my Father's house, the oikos, my Father's house, there are many rooms, there are many dwelling places. And that, that passage we read today from uh, Haggai that, um, that Brother Mark just read, it's amazing. He talks about the temple, you know, the second, second temple after the first one was destroyed, it's being rebuilt. And uh, there are some who are, who are saying this is, compared to the, the former temple, this is like nothing. And, uh, and then we hear this prophecy that the Lord says that uh, the latter temple is going to surpass the first one in glory. And of course, the first temple in Hebrews, we read that those, those things were just shadows of the, of the true heavenly realities. And the latter temple that is being referred to there is a temple that, that Ephesians talks about as well. That we as living stones are being built into a temple for a dwell, to be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So when we read that Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. Not, not this house, but this house. We're part of the house of God where God himself is dwelling by his spirit, which is amazing. And today, um, I wanted to talk about the peace that Jesus talks about. And this is called the, the upper room discourse. It's also known as the farewell discourse because this is the last uh, talk recorded of Jesus, the last um, teaching that he gives to his disciples. It's very uh, heartfelt and intimate. It's the last one he gives just before that, uh, that night where the, the, uh, that kicks off the chain of events that ultimately leads to his crucifixion. So, and he's telling them multiple times throughout this talk, I'm going back to the Father. You will see me. Uh, for a little while, you will not see me. And uh, I want to read what he says at the very end of this, of this. And this is actually chapter 16, the last verse, verse 33. And uh, this is just the, this is like the, the, the capstone of his teaching just before he goes into his prayer to the Father, his high priestly prayer. Listen to what he says. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And he continues, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's how he closes that whole discourse. I've spoken to you these things so that in me you may have peace. And uh, peace, that the Greek word uh, irene, which uh, in Hebrew is shalom. If you read this, the Greek Septuagint, whenever it's shalom in Greek, they use irene. That peace, uh, let me read to you what uh, a, a Greek lexicon, uh, a uh, Famous one, edited by Spiros Zodiades uh, in a lexical aid. He describes the Irene as this. It denotes a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. It's a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. He also uh, describes through that, that definition. Uh, it also is possessed by those who have been delivered 
who are delivered from all the distresses that are resultant from sin. So it comes in deliverance from the distresses that are resultant from sin. And this is why, ultimately, peace comes only in the gospel. It comes through and in the gospel. And in fact, Ephesians talks about, refers to the gospel as the gospel of peace, right? In Ephesians 6, the armor of God, the gospel of peace is your shoes um, shod, your feet shod with the, the gospel of peace, um, the gospel of peace. And in Ephesians 2, or uh, Ephesians 3 rather, um, or no, it is Ephesians 2, Christ, it says uh, Christ came and preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. And in Romans 5.1, we read earlier, Romans 5.1 says that therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God, right? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, he continues, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace comes first and foremost through the gospel. It, well, it comes through the gospel. And the first thing is that we must have peace with God, right? In, in Romans 5, we have peace with God. And it's only when we have peace with God that we can have peace through God. And that's why it's the gospel of peace. Um, you know, it's very popular now. And on social media, you'll see people posting things, uh, people talking about life coaches, you know, and you'll see people trying to give advice um, on how, how to have peace in your life, right? How to, how to be at, at peace. And they'll bring in all kinds of uh, latest scientific studies uh, of what kind of um, mental exercises you can do to have peace and to recover from trauma, uh, uh, physical exercises or regimens that you can incorporate into your life to help, to help you have peace, um, uh, cutting out toxic people out of your life to have peace, things like that. Uh, the world has lots of strategies for having peace. And some of those strategies may give you some measure of peace for a time. But the scripture is very clear. And the, and the truth is that we can only have peace by having peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we have true, lasting peace through God. That's amazing. Uh, it's really astounding when you consider that uh, that chapter 14 in John, and I read this last, last time I was here, uh, he starts off in chapter 14, verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And it's astounding that he says this just after he tells Peter that you're going to deny, deny me three times before the cock crows, before tomorrow. And that was just on the heels of telling him that, I'm leaving you guys. And that was just on the heels of him saying, one of you, one of you here is going to betray me. Can you, can you, can you feel the weight that must be on the hearts of those? If, if we were in that room, hearing these things from Jesus, just boom, 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 one right after the other. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And he says very, the very next thing, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. And then in, in the passage we uh, read, I just read before, uh, we started here, 
and this is the one we're going to focus on now, in verse 27, chapter 14, verse 27, he says, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is saying, I come to give you peace, right? And then again, he ends that whole upper room or farewell discourse with, my peace I leave with you. In the world you have troubled, but be of good cheer because I have come to give you peace. So what is that peace? Is it an absence? Is peace just an absence of uh, external fighting? You know, we think of world peace as it's when everyone will stop fighting and everyone will just be nice to each other, right? World peace, the absence of fighting. But in that verse 33 of chapter 16, Jesus follows that I leave you my peace. He follows that immediately with, in the world, you will have tribulation, right? So he's not saying that leaving you my peace means that you're not going to have trials and tribulations. But the peace that Jesus gives is a state of inner, untroubled, and undisturbed well-being, regardless of the external circumstance, circumstances. So how do we have peace through God? If we've been reconciled to Him, and we have peace with God through the blood shed on the cross, then how do we have peace through God that Jesus here is talking about, where our hearts will not be troubled? Well, look what he says in, in the verse 15 and 16. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And who is that helper? The Spirit. The very, the very next verse. The Spirit of truth, in the, whom the world cannot receive. In uh, 16, chapter 16, verse 7, later on in the discourse, he says, just after again he repeats, um, I'm going away to him who sent me. And he says, why has sorrow filled your heart? Because I've said I'm going away to the, him who sent me. So he says in verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's actually better that I go away. How is it better that you go away, Jesus? And, you know, I, I've, often, I've many times thought, man, if I was walking with Jesus, I, I wish I could have been in the disciples' uh, feet and their shoes and their sandals and uh, been walking with Jesus and been able to ask him questions and just, you know, hear from him, uh, be hugged by him. And I think, it was to their advantage that they got to walk with Jesus. But Jesus tells them, it's, it's to your advantage that I go back to the Father. And why? He continues. He said in, in verse 7 of chapter 16, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So he's repeating again what we just read in, in that chapter 14. Verse 16, I will pray the Father and will give you another helper that he may abide 
right, to dwell with you forever. The Holy Spirit. Now Romans, in Romans chapter 8, it refers to, to the Spirit. Uh, it, it calls a Spirit, calls Him the Spirit of God and then the Spirit of Christ as well. And here we have some of the, the mystery of, of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit, yet the, all three are one, right? So the Spirit abiding in us is Jesus being with us. And, uh, you know, th- think about what Jesus says when he gives the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, chapter 28, uh, chapter 28, verse 20. And Jesus says, um, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he says, and lo, what does he say next? I am with you, even to the end of the age. I am with you, not I will be with you, but I am with you, even to the end of the age. Is Jesus with us now? Come back to the Father. Yes, he is. His Spirit is in us, is dwelling with us. And um, in, later in that passage, in, in verse 20, uh, is this, uh, it's, it's verse, that same verse 17, he says, um, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be, what? In you. Will be in you. You can think of uh, the disciples when after Jesus fed the 5,000. He says that, that uh, the scriptures say that he sent the disciples ahead of him into the boat to cross back over the sea while, while he dismissed the people. He said, go back um, across the sea. I'll meet up with you. I'm going to dismiss the people. So they get in the boat without Jesus, right? And then Jesus goes that night unto the mountain to pray. And it says that he saw them straining at the oars because there was a heavy wind against them. And Jesus was not with them. He was on the mountain, right? Or uh, when he was with the, with the woman at the well, they were in the town. There was times of separation. I mean, they, they were with Jesus. They were, uh, he walked among them that, those three years of the ministry, but there was a being with him, going away, you know, uh, he wasn't always with him in the same way that he is with us now by his spirit. Even when we are alone, we are not alone. And I, I think Jesus, I believe that he was trying to emphasize this, this, this point in his teaching at the very end of chapter 16, where he says, and this is just before he says, uh, in me, you may have peace. Uh, in verse 32, he says, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come. It's here. It's now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. Because, who? Because the Father is with me. So it's... it's I, I wonder if Jesus is trying to give them, trying to tell them, listen, there might be times when you are alone. Earlier in the discourse, he told them that they're going to throw you out of the synagogues. They're going to put you in jail. They're going to flog you. Some of them, they're going to, some of them are going to kill you. Some of you are going to be killed. 
But take heart. You're not alone. I am with you. My spirit is with you. And the Father is with you. Right after verse 17, going back to to our text here, um, after verse 16, he says, "He, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then verse 18, he says, I will not leave you orphans. Who are orphans? What do orphans not have? They don't have parents. But who is with us as his people? The Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If Jesus is in us, the Father is in us, right? The Spirit is in us. The Spirit of Jesus, which means Jesus is in us, which means the Father is in us. And as if to to emphasize that fact, Jesus says here in, um, in verse 23 of our passage, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him, make our dwelling. I mentioned last time that that same word for home, make our home with him is the same word used when he says, in my, um, uh, in my father's house, there are many homes, there are many dwelling places. It's the only place that that Greek word is used the only other place that Greek word is used in the New Testament, but it's to make our dwelling with you. He says in verse 23, we will come to him and make our home, our dwelling with him. The father is in us. So how can we have peace? Because God is in us. He's with us. We are never alone. We are not orphans. We are not orphans. This morning, um, I was uh, out in, in my backyard with my uh, little little girl Esther, and uh, she was on on the on a mat on on the ground, and I was uh, at the table reading and and kind of talking to her a little bit, and then I had to go uh, turn the stove on to get the I was cooking some oatmeal, and to to start that boiling, and um, so I walked up the steps and I could see see her, but I was walking away from her. Just for a second, to just turn the stove on. It was going to come right back out. And as soon as I walked in the house, what did I hear? <laughs> Crying. No, don't leave me. And as soon as I came, as soon as I came back from the stove, and the, ki- the kitchen is right next to the, the stairs that go out. As soon as I walked back, it's just a matter of seconds, but it, just as I walked back, as soon as she saw me, what did she do? She stopped crying. Everything was okay. And why is that? Because... Her father was with her. And as long as the father was with her, she was not troubled. She was not troubled. She didn't have a care in the world because she can't conceive of, well, my father's here. There's nothing that can happen to me. He's not going to let anything happen to me. Are we ever troubled and anxious about things in life? Do we forget in those moments that our father is with us? That the very presence of Jesus is in us and with us? In those moments, when, when Jesus tells them, I'm going, for a while you will not see me. For a while you will not see me. So they're going to miss the presence of Jesus for that short time. But Jesus says, I'm going. It's good that I go. 
because I'm going for one, to pay for your sins, and two, go back to the Father and send, send you my spirit. So the purposes of God also give us peace. The presence of God gives us peace and trusting the purposes of God. There are things that we have, um, we struggle with. There are tribulations. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. But Romans 5, on the other side of the cross and the resurrection and the Holy, the pouring out of the Spirit, Romans 5 tells us, it says, not only, not only do we um, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, the glory of God with us, and His presence, His glorious presence with us and in us, not only that, but we also, Romans 5, 3, we also glory in our tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Produce perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. It will not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And the Holy Spirit testifies with us that we are His and that the Father who is in control of all things will bring all things, will work all things together for our good. So even when we're, when we're in the midst of tribulation, if we trust the purposes of God, we know that all things are working together for our good to make us more like Christ, that we might uh, join in the fellowship even of His suffering and that we might be transformed into the glorious image of the Son. So it's the presence of God that gives us peace. And it's trusting in those the purposes of God that He's working all things uh, for good that give us that true peace, that untroubled, undisturbed well-being, that shalom. And it sets us free to do God's work. It sets us free to do God's work. When we're not troubled, we can go boldly into persecution. We can go, this brother uh, from China I just mentioned uh, that stayed with me for, uh, for about a week, week and a half. He was sharing two testimonies of, of spending time in jail. Uh, the first time was uh, for 60 days. He was in prison for 60 days. He was part of a... Um, a team that was was bringing Bibles from Hong Kong in. He brought. He said it was two tons of Bibles, these huge crates that were being shipped um, into the mainland, and uh, it was discovered. They were opened up by the authorities. Some things went un, that were unplanned uh, happened. And long story short, um, he was responsible. This brother's name is Joseph. I was responsible for it, and so he was thrown in jail for uh, for sixty days. But while he was there in jail, um, and he said the room, he pointed out that he said the room was not much bigger than the room about this size, and there were 60 men. And this includes the legitimate criminals. And he said to sleep, you had to literally just sleep on the ground on your shoulder. And these, all these men were packed in. But he said that uh, he knew that God had put him there for a reason, that God was in control, and he shared the gospel, and two men believed. Or three, no, sorry, three men believed, and two of the men he said he's, he's kept up with over the years. And um, so God has purposes even in those things. And if we go into those, those uh, situations knowing his purposes, we can have peace. On the way to that prison, 
Joseph was saying the authorities had their guns and they were uh, like military guns. And they, at one point, they pointed it right at his face and said, if you don't tell us the other people that are involved in this, we're going to shoot you. And he said, immediately, um, his, he was filled with all kinds of fear. <laughs> like, they're going to shoot me and I'm going to die. But he said, he said, uh, he started speaking and he said, it was like, it, it was like, it wasn't even me speaking. He said, it's just the Holy Spirit filled me. And I told him, I said, um, if I, if you shoot me, I will be with the Lord, but, but you will still be dead in your sin. And, uh, he said, the men didn't shoot him and God was protecting him, but he gave him boldness in that, in that time. He had the peace of Christ. Did he have peace with those men? Those authorities that were throwing him in jail? No, but he had peace with God. And therefore, he had the peace of Christ in him. And he was able to serve God with that peace. So, in closing, I just want to remind you that Jesus came so that we might have peace with God. And that having peace with God, we will have peace through God. And we can serve him with untroubled, in a state of untroubled and undisturbed well-being because of his presence the peace of God because of the presence of God in us. And uh, I want to close by reminding you and uh, challenging you to, to make this a daily prayer. Make this one of your prayers. Just recite this verse in the morning. And I'm challenging myself to this as well. From Isaiah. Uh, Chapter 26, verse 3. We must remember, we must believe. Jesus says, believe in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe that my presence is in you. We must look to him. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. So let us keep our eyes, our minds fixed on our Lord. Believing and knowing his presence with us. Going boldly to to follow his commands, to walk with him, not being troubled, not being afraid, but having true peace that only comes through the gospel and through our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the peace that you give to us. We thank you that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the the peace that you leave with us. We thank you for your precious promises of your presence in us. That you are with us even to the end of the age. That you abide in us forever. God, we ask that as we uh, go through the day today, as we go through this week, that more and more we would be aware of your presence among us, that we would trust in your purposes, in the things that you bring us to, and that 
no matter what tribulations we face in this world, in this life, that we will be of good cheer, knowing that you have overcome the world. And looking always to the promise of that day when all things will be set to right. And the dwelling of God will be with man on earth in its fullness. God, we long for that day. We pray for that. We pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that your name would be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. We long for that day. And we thank you that as we move toward that day, as that day approaches, that you are with us. You are still with us now, even to the end of the age. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I, 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 the one last thing I just wanted to point out, the end of John, the Gospel of John, after his resurrection, Jesus says three times, the first time he appears to them in the room, when they're, they're kind of huddled in their room with locked doors, and Jesus comes in the midst of them, he says, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, this is the day of Jesus' resurrection. He appears when the doors were shut. Uh, Jesus came and stood in the midst. And what's the very first thing he says to them? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. When he had, showed, had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, he repeats it, peace to you. And as the Father sent me, so now I send you, that you might go and uh, follow my commands in peace. And then Thomas, who wasn't there, eight days later, Jesus uh, appears to, to Thomas with the twelve. And the first thing he says when he comes and stands in their midst is, peace to you. Underscoring that peace that he, he brings us.